drink it in, drink it in, drink it in, man. It is picked up by the line, coming back right side, 25. Picks up a block at the 30, it's at the 40. Drink it in, drink it in. Drink it in, drink it in, drink it in, man. Rolls to the right, Stafford throws deep. Got a man out there, Enzo, touchdown to Torbeyer, Marvin Jones. Drink it in, drink it in. Touchdown to Detroit Lions! Drink it in, drink it in, drink it in, man. Detroit Kool-Aid, Detroit Kool-Aid drinkers. What's going on, everybody? You are here on the Detroit Kool-Aid cast. I'm your host, Eric Oakry. We got the one and only Grifka here. Grifka, how you doing, buddy? Oh, you know me. I'm doing good. Doing good. <laughs> well, we know it, and we know when you say that. We got to give you two of them. So we know Grifka's doing good, but what we're really excited about is the one and only Logan Lamarandier from Sports Illustrated All Lions is joining us once again and here to talk some Lions. So Logan, how are you doing today? I am also doing all good, all good. <laughs> all right, I, I won't hit Straight you with the bell, <laughs> but I appreciate it. Uh, a little nod, tip of the cap to old Grifsky there. And uh, like I say, last couple times we've had you on, I mean, it's always good to have you on. We got a little off the rails the last couple times, but we got we got lots of Lions stuff to talk about. I know we've, we've had another tough season here, but some big breaking news uh, about Chris Spielman joining the Lions. We're going to tease that out and make people uh, wait on our thoughts on that, but I know we're all excited to talk about that. I'm going to kind of rewind a little bit on this Packer game, talk about that, and then me and uh, the Waffle Maker, Grifka over there, got some questions for Logan. Love to throw those at him, get his insight, and uh, go back and forth a little bit. So, fellas, let's just dive right into it. Um, Lions, Packers, um, you know, 31 for the Packers, 24 for our Lions. Uh, game, again, I felt it got off to a pretty good start, you know, even at half, kind of hanging in there. And uh, just kind of came up a little bit short. To me, it felt like football. It felt like another game that even amidst the frustrations, it wasn't like the other games with Patricia there where, you know, I was just really frustrated. It didn't seem like NFL football. Let's uh, let's go to Logan first. Logan, what did you think of this game? Yeah, I thought overall it was pretty entertaining, which is really what I was looking for. I didn't think the Lions were going to be able to pull out a win just with the amount of talent that Green Bay has, the injuries that the Lions were struggling with, and considering the defense has just been horrible all year. And uh, there's, so there's just a lot of factors, but I do think that they, the offense the Lions had when Stafford was in there was a lot of fun to watch. And uh, the defense actually made a few stops, but um, I just thought it was entertaining. And really, I felt like the score was a lot closer than I, I felt like it was a little bit because I did feel like the Packers were just – moving the ball at will outside of the couple defensive stops, but uh, it was, it was solid. It was, it was about what I, what I expected. And it was just good to see the offense again, kind of continue where they left off and Matthew Stafford continue where he had left off from last week. And even dating back into, you know, Bevel's first eight games with Stafford. I, I it just feels like that whole dynamic is back again. And that, that was good to see. Yeah, like I said, solid is kind of what we can use as well as, um, you know, closer than a lot of people thought, but also still gave up, you know, quite a few easy points and things like that. Grifka, what did you think of this ball game when you watched it? 
Yeah, just to kind of reiterate what Logan said, I mean, it was very entertaining. I haven't been that miffed over a game, a Lions game, in a, in a while. And just, uh, you know, with the calls. But still, I, they st- they still seem to be showing some heart, playing for the coach. And um, more so, it seemed like prior games this year, when they got down by a little bit, they, se- they seemed to kind of mail it in and just be out there. And, you know, this team, you know, still, you know, try to fight, you know, like, you know, Marvin Jones pseudo catch that was a catch that wasn't a catch. The onside kick, which I believe was, you know, you know, caught by, you know, Miles Killebrew inbounds. But maybe I'm just looking like that with my rose colored glasses on. But uh, it, it was it was a very entertaining game to watch and you know, good 4:25 start. Well worth a wait. <laughs> oh my gosh, where do I go with that? Hey Logan, what what do you think of some of the ref calls, man? I I know we get into this every week with the Lions where it just seems especially against this team. Gr- Griffka, what's your favorite tagline about the Packers? Just let the people know. I know they'll get a kick out of it. Yeah, they get calls because the trophy's named after their former coach. It's not hard. <laughs> Exactly. So, Logan, did you think uh, the Marv catch was a catch? I mean, do you think that really would have changed the game? I get a little turned around when people say, like, if they give us that catch, Matt Stafford doesn't get injured, and they start doing all these dominoes. I mean, I I do feel like there was a couple questionable ones. My thing on Twitter was just, why are we going to have replay if you're just going to say everything stands? Stands to me is like for that call that is so close, you can't tell, and it's not a game-changing type call, so you just... You stick with it on the field. I mean, they use it for everything now. I saw a call the other day. It was plain as day, and he came back and said stands. I was like, did they forget that they can actually confirm a call or actually, you know, prove themselves right? I mean, what did you think? You think this, like, really hurt the Lions? You think it took a game from us? I mean, the couple that Griffka mentioned, the Marv catch and the onside, we also had a couple questionable PI calls way down the football field, too. They just kind of ignored for whatever reason. What did you think? I think this was really the first game all year where I really felt like the refs made a lot of bad calls, like big time, the decisions too. Uh, I mean, the Packers had plenty of penalties, so I don't know if it was necessarily super one-sided, but just the pass interference or the no-call pass interference when Cephas was going deep and uh, Amos, the Packers safety, just kind of just stopped running and boxed him out, didn't even look at the ball, just put his arms out so Cephas couldn't get around him and pretty much just stopped him in his tracks, and the ball flies like two yards over Cephas's head, and he's going for it, and the, the defensive back isn't playing it one what bit. I don't know how that's – that's like a textbook pass interference in my mind, and they didn't call that. I think that's what I was probably most upset about. The Marvin Jones catch, I think it was very, very close. Um, you know, there's, there's pitchers when he has the ball in his hands or it's just starting to touch his hands, and both feet are like tiptoes. You can see the dirt flying up the little rubber pellets it was really very very close and you you didn't really see too many angles on the replay that I thought were super great but it just all came down to when he actually had possession and if both feet were down at the time and considering that they ruled it incomplete it didn't really surprise me that they ruled it incomplete but it would I I could have seen it overturned and be like oh yeah that's that's a catch but and then yeah the Killebrews onside kick it's still kind of weird because even Brandon Coombs came out today and said he didn't, they still haven't gotten clarification on what exactly if the ball like went out of bounds or if uh, Caleb Bruce stepped out of bounds first before touching or something like that. To me, it seemed like a Caleb Bruce definitely had the ball um, after 10 yards. And maybe I don't know the rules well enough where he was, 
Caleb Brew maybe had to have like a foot over 10 yards or something before catching it. But um, so I, I don't really know what happened there. And that's just kind of weird. But overall, I don't think the refs, even in the Marvin Jones, you know, his catch that wasn't a catch. Uh, the Lions still went down and scored a touchdown on that drive. So, yes, it ate up an extra couple minutes where maybe the Lions could have done something. But to me, it just felt like the Packers were doing pretty much anything they wanted on offense and could move the ball when they when they really needed to. So I, I don't think it really impacted the outcome of the game all too much. But you just never know in the NFL. In the NFL, you have all the games are always so close. You know, more, more often than not, the NFL games are decided by one score. When you have – that many questionable calls, um, you know, and it just makes it really tough to win, especially against a team that's a really good team like the Packers. I, I think for me, the the one we didn't even talk about that really was a killer was starting the third quarter. Lions come out, whatever. They, they, they get a basically a three and out. Everybody's off the field. They're hype, whatever it is. And then all of a sudden, they kind of come back. There's no, there's no flag icon. There's no nothing. And then all of a sudden they just they just like gave the Packers a first down and it was never announced by the official. I never even heard really what happened. He just kind of gave them a first and what they do. They went right down the football field and scored. And I usually don't play into the whole Grifka woe is me and oh poor us Lions and oh the you know the trophies named after their coach even though I love that here on the show. Like I I think that you know, it continues to happen where it's almost this impression that, oh, it's just a Lions game. Like, they're not in contention anyway, or they're kind of at the bottom of the division. So it's not a big deal if we just kind of brush off these calls or stick with stands. Or, or like you said, on the ha- uh, Hail Mary, oh, it's the end of the half, so we we don't call that. Well, you don't call that when there's a, a ton of bodies, but you call it when it's one-on-one. The guy's not letting our guy go after the ball, and it's within catching distance. You know, you got to make these calls. So to me, the the phantom call was just the most ridiculous. It, no explanation, no announcement. Same like you said on the onside. Don't even clarify what it is. You just sort of stay with, oh, well, it was close, so we're not going to call it. We'll give it to the uh, – you know, the, the Green Bay Lombardis and just move forward just because they're they're going to win the division. And we it's one of Grifka's, you know, favorite teams in the league. And they're they're favored by the NFL. I mean, am I crazy here, Grifka? Or did I kind of sum it up that the, the three and out call was a killer? The other ones were just those mysteries that we often see against the squad. Yeah, that's uh, pretty much how I always feel about it. I mean, uh, like you said, uh, they just the first down, like Aaron Rodgers does the the hand look like what's going on and you know Marquez Val you know scantling or whatever you know he does the same thing like he just kind of turned looks at the rest does the old Jordy Nelson like you know I play for the Packers where's the call and uh you know all of a sudden that like the flag icon comes up real late even like Mark Schlereff was like yeah it was a good play you know great play you know and he like oh there was a flag somewhere where was that from and, and then you're right they just kind of moved him off the field it's like oh here's five yards for their defensive holding so yeah, it just it's, it just seems to happen a lot. I mean, I remember I kept thinking about watching that game. I kept thinking about was it a number of years ago? I mean, it was the Matt Flynn game where you know the Lions got him a big contract, but there was all these close calls early where Jim Schwartz had to keep on using the flag, which everyone went against Detroit and they didn't overturn it. It was just like the tightest young touchdown, the onside kick. It was kind of like the same stuff, and those calls went the Packers' way. And yeah, the Lions could have won that game as well. You know, the, the defense would have showed up, much like the game on Sunday. But 
It just seems like when the Lions play the Packers, the Monday night game we were at last year, it seems like any close thing goes in favor of the Packers. And you always hear stuff like, well, the NFL doesn't care. The refs don't care. And I'm always like, well, you know, if one team is always in your face on the four-letter network, NFL network, stuff like that, in your mind, you, you're you thinking they're the better team, so you might sway the call their way, you know, subconsciously. I kind of think that happens. Like you said, it's the Lions. Nobody cares. Nobody really hypes them. But then they get calls against them, and people like us see it. <laughs> Grifka racking up the bells. I love it. I mean, I'm with you. Logan, let me come back to you on if you got any comments on that. But before we kind of hit you with some other questions, I mean, the Matt Stafford injury to me, he kind of I don't know how many times they talked about how tough he is. I mean, this this was Solaris go to. He probably brought it up six different times on the broadcast. I mean, OK, we get it. I mean, the guy ran up again. He got folded up like an accordion holding his ribs, trying to play, can't play, crucial time of the game. You know, any thoughts on the injury as well as going forward? Do you kind of just shelf him? Do you, do you still think he's the toughest guy on the face of the planet? I mean, where are you at with number nine as well as any of the funny things Grifka said about how we always get jobbed? Well, yeah, the hit back on the, the penalty that – the three and out that they just had a penalty. I think that was more the broadcast booth. that just did a horrible job of letting us know there was a penalty. Um, Cause I was, I was in the same boat where I was like, okay, there's just no penalty. And all of a sudden there's a penalty flag, like five minutes after the play, like a whole Dallas situation going on. Did but, you hear um, it get announced though? Was it ever announced by an official? I, I didn't, I didn't hear it. Um, yeah. But it, it looked like there was a flag on the play early on. But again, I don't, it's just weird. And it, it seems like it's only the Packers, right? Like uh, it's always the Packers. The Lions have these just odd flags or a bunch of calls that don't go their way. And it is, it's, it's annoying. And, you know, considering that the Packers are always so good, that's another annoying part. <laughs> it's like, right. man, it's they, like always, we don't wanna, they always get all the calls. It's like, we don't want to make excuses, but when it happens time and time and time again, it's just kind of very frustrating and a kind of a go-to for Lions fans. But I mean, we're still in this ball game. So I, I mean, it is what it yeah. is, but we're kind of getting sick of it, you know, as a fan base, no doubt about it. So what about number nine is toughness as well as, he kind of continues to get these injuries anytime he does take off and run or he gets his hand hit or whatever it may be. I mean, tough guy fights through it, but he's kind of getting dinged up a little bit too much for my liking. Yeah. I feel like it always happens the same way too. You know, with his, this back injuries, it's like him trying to slide like after, you know, well guys are tackling, but he's trying to slide. And then, you know, a defensive tackler, a linebacker is able to just fall on him and he gets put in an awkward position and now he has some cartilage damage in his ribs which is obviously very painful and at, at this point I, I don't know if there's a ton of motivation for the Lions to continue playing him maybe Stafford might have a say that he wants to fight through it but uh, you know the season's pretty much gone right now so it's not like he needs to play and he probably you want to make sure he's healthy for next season and who knows what's really going to happen with him as well so uh, to me, we all know Stafford's tough, but it just might be at this point in the season where it wouldn't hurt to not that it'd be fun for fans to watch a Chase Daniel offense because the, not only is the defense horrible, the offense is going to be horrible too. And <laughs> in these three game stretch that are really tough games, but um, to me, it's just with Stafford, I, I'd almost just arrest him unless he 
later in the week in practice is feeling fine and he looks no worse for wear and he doesn't have much pain he's dealing with, but I I'm not too familiar with how cartilage injuries, what, what's that like and what the time frame is usually on coming back from those and all the severities. There's just a lot of unknowns there. So it's kind of probably just wait and see with him. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see what happens. No doubt about it. Hey, Grifka, before we take our break, let's go ahead and get some questions in here for Logan. I, I know you got a few locked and loaded, so Let's go ahead and move on to those, and then we'll hit them with some questions on the uh, after the break, and then we'll talk Spielman and the show. So go go ahead, fire away, sir. Okay. Well, I guess my first one just kind of piggybacks on your Matt Stafford question there. Not really his toughness, but uh, it's to the point now where people are mentioning, you know, like you said, set him down. There's really nothing to you know play for. And I mentioned it on an earlier broadcast between me and Derek. It might be just like rest him up. And then try to trade them in the off season if you're looking to go in a new direction with a new coach. Is that something that the Lions may consider even trading him, or you want to like you know kind of like stick around because of his contract? You know, at least one more year before it really, you know, the year after as we mentioned, the cap is not nearly as bad. Yeah, with with that, I think it really all depends on the GM. It depends what the expectations are of the new GM. If they're given, you know, just a three year window to have a full rebuild and someone's offering a first-round pick for Matthew Stafford and maybe a little bit more, I, I don't think it's necessarily a bad idea to entertain trading him because he is getting a, a little up there in age. Um, next year, if they were to trade him after the season, it would be basically a, a one-year contract for his new team. And I think part of the allure that teams might have right now with Stafford is they have him, they would be able to have him for two years. And under contract, not having to pay his signing bonus every month or every year, so it just makes it a really team-friendly deal for the new team, and that also leaves a lot of dead cap on the Lions for this year. But again, if, if there's a new GM who knows they're not really necessarily trying to win in 2021, it doesn't hurt to to get rid of all the big contracts and completely start fresh in 2022. Just take on all the dead cap hit and the players that might not fit your system that are getting paid a lot, and just <laughs> you know, basically they won't say that they're tanking in 2021, but uh, they could do that if they if they think that's necessary. But again, it all comes down to what the new GM thinks and what expectations are placed on them by the Ford. So um, to me, I, I personally would definitely be entertaining trades for Stafford, and I'm a Stafford guy. But when I, I don't think it's necessarily a great option to keep him around for a rebuild because you're going to lose all this value. If anything, if you're trying to add draft picks and gain draft capital, He's probably going to keep you around a 500 team. And you're not going to be able to get, if he's healthy, you're not going to be able to get those high draft picks if you want to get a quarterback. So I don't know. It's going to be very interesting. And uh, I, I just don't know what's going to happen, but I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I, I like the answer. I like the first part you mentioned, especially because I think, the uh, if I remember correctly, my take was, you know, let the new coach pick his quarterback, eat the cap hit this year, and they're not going to be expected to really go out there and win anyway. So just eat it, take a quarterback somewhere in the draft, and move on, get a real fresh start. So, uh, Derek, uh, what you got? Or unless you want to head right to break. Oh, no, I, I, I got one for Logan here, one of my favorites when he's on the show. I got I to put him on the clock. Logan, you are picking for the Detroit Lions, let's say anywhere in the top 10 here, and, and the pick comes to your selection, you're on the clock. Guys on the board that are available, Gregory Rousseau, big defensive end from Miami, one of Benny Blade's favorite guys. 
We got Micah Parsons, the linebacker from Penn State. We got Jamar Chase, the incredible receiver um, at LSU there. And we've got Zach Wilson, quarterback, BYU. Logan Lamarandier, what is your selection? Ooh. So, full disclosure, you know, I still have a plenty of draft <laughs> homework to do. But uh, I did I did watch a little bit of Zach Wilson. I, I, I There's been a lot of hype surrounding him, and I, I really haven't watched a ton of college football this year. I usually save my college football research until after the NFL season's done because that kind of gets me through, you know, just the, the lull of the offseason where I'm still watching football. But Zach Wilson, to me, I think he's an intriguing prospect, and I know a lot of people would want to go the quarterback route. Um, but I, I'm actually kind of against taking a quarterback this year just because I don't think the Lions are anywhere near um, where they should be if they want to maximize a four-year cheap contract for a quarterback. And I don't think Wilson – yeah, there's some nice traits about him, but I think he has an average NFL arm. I was expecting when I started deep diving on him, I expected to see a little bit more athleticism from him. I don't know if he's quite as uh, athletic as people are hyping him up to be, but he is. He's he's pretty accurate. Um, he can throw the ball from a bunch of different angles. His pocket presence is kind of like, eh, I go back and forth. He can escape, but a lot of times I think he's, he's escaping from a clean pocket. So, um I just want to give my thoughts on Zach Wilson. So I'm not sold on him quite yet, but I think Micah Parsons would probably be the best player overall at that point. And linebacker, the off ball linebacker typically doesn't have, it's not as valuable as the other positions you named, but Parsons, he's just, he's so good. And I think he's got to check out you know, off field stuff, make sure that everything's good there. Cause if I remember correctly, he has an interesting or checkered pass a little bit of, of some things. But I, I think from a football standpoint, the Lions need a linebacker, and he's one of the best players in the draft, so I'd go Parsons. Interesting. I, I thought I'd give you some big names as well as those are kind of the main positions of need for me for the Lions at the top, a big defensive end, a wide receiver, possibly that guy in the middle at linebacker that could be a captain type or that quarterback. And it's fun to hear you talk it through because, like, I watched a few games of Zach Wilson. There's still more research to do, but – Gosh, man, he seems like that new age swaggy quarterback. And he also has got that baby face where I can sell some souvenir cups and, <laughs> and put him on all the, the billboards and, and be the face of the franchise. So I'm, I'm really warming up to him as a football player, just what he brings to the table, as well as maybe being able to do that transition plan. And you went with the linebacker, which to me, when I'm looking at those spots in today's NFL is kind of like the least valued, you know, by other NFL teams. It's, it's Grifka's go-to every year. He's just like, Oh, give me the linebacker. Give me a fast linebacker. I'll take a tackling linebacker. It's like, I don't know, man, we need to be able to rush the quarterback, catch the football and throw it all around the yard and get that franchise. So it's, it's an interesting debate of player versus like position value, as well as, you know, we saw how it worked out this year. You you pass up on these quarterbacks when you have the chance, just thinking, oh, you're not sold, or maybe there's another guy. You know, people are kind of finding out, the Lions fan base is finding out that you've got to get that ball rolling sooner than later, and you you never you can't wait around for the best guys. So I think it's going to be hard to pass on again if a, if a kid like that or Trey Lance is there in the top 10 and, and you feel good about him as a franchise. So we'll see what they do. But uh, like like your, your thought process and your answer, I, of, of course, I differ a little bit. I probably would have been defensive end, 
quarterback or maybe even Jamar Chase. But, I mean, I know Parsons is a beast, no doubt about it. So let's go ahead and take a quick break. We're going to almost do a sponsor-free show, but we got to get in a quick ad for my other podcast, B-L-E-A-V and Lions, with myself and Benny Blades. Um, really pushing that show because Benny Blades is a tremendous guy as well as uh, funny to listen to. Me and him have a lot of fun, and I know he's going to have a lot of opinions uh, this upcoming week with uh, – the announcement of his guy, Chris Spielman, uh, coming back to the Lions organization. So um, you got to check that out. Let's get a quick spot in for them. We come back. We got some more rapid fire questions for Logan, as well as his thoughts on Spielman coming back in a uh, full time role with the Lions. Everybody, we'll be right back. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time the roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. What's going on, everybody? This is your host, Derek Oakry of the Detroit Kool-Aid cast, and this is normally where I tell you about some of our great sponsors, but today I want to tell you about my other Lions podcast. It's called Believe in Lions. And that's spelled B-L-E-A-V on the Believe Podcasting Network with both myself and Lions legendary safety Benny Blades. Yeah, you know who he is. The hard-hitting safety Benny Blades played for the Lions. He also played for the U. You know what it is. The University of Miami, those Miami Hurricanes. He mentions it multiple times a show. Benny loves to talk about his hurricanes, his lions, and I love to play this soundbite on the show. We have a ton of fun on that show. We laugh, we joke, we talk lions. Like I said, he brings up the hurricanes. I talk about my Michigan Wolverines. Um, it's it's a really fun show. Benny loves the lions. He tells great stories from his playing days, as well as uh, we're just rooting on this team. We B-L-E-A-V in the Lions. So please go ahead, find it on your favorite podcast platform. Hit that subscribe button and check it out. Share it with a friend. We really appreciate it. So check out Believe, B-L-E-A-V in Lions with myself and Benny Blades. Thank you guys so much. Detroit Kool-Aid drinkers are back from the break. Thank you so much for listening to our sponsors. Uh, great to have Logan on. Go check out all his stuff on Sports Illustrated, all Lions. He's writing articles. I, I think I saw he did the huge show again this week. Uh, if you, you want to catch that on iHeartRadio or all the different platforms that's on. And uh, just support what he's up to. I mean, always bringing great Lions content. You can find him on Twitter at L. Lamarandier, and uh, always talking Lions, always good opinions, good articles. He's always putting up polls, which you got to check out. You got to got to vote on those polls. He's always giving us lots to think about. Grifka, let me let me pass the ball back to you. Uh, go ahead and hit Logan with another one of your uh, big time questions here. Okay, um, I was reading something once again. I always love reading what other fans say because uh, I look at the game as a fan myself. Lions twenty four seven. So, yeah, it, it wasn't that. But uh, the guy was like, "Why are you?" Pretty much stated like, "Why are people ripping on Bob Quinn?" He laid the foundation for the future, and he and he he listed guys that he had drafted, such as you know Hawkinson and Taylor Decker and stuff like that. But you know, he's drafted a few good guys. But I guess he was kind of just like defending him to the hill, saying, "You know, he he really didn't do that bad a job." But you know, then there's people like comparing him to Matt Millen, and we all know what Matt Millen did. I mean, I guess how did how do you feel Bob Quinn did? I mean, he obviously didn't weren't staying around, but was he Matt Millen esque that bad, or was he kind of like 
not as bad as what people thought because he did bring a little bit of talent here. Logan, hold yeah, on. Yeah, I think. Hold on before you answer. Hey, Grifka, um, how would you, what's a what's a phrase you might use to define Matt Millen's tenure, um, one of your go-to lines here on the show? Not that great. <laughs> what, what, what's your thoughts on Bob Quinn now that you look at it in hindsight, which I know you love to do? Uh, what, what would you call his tenure maybe? Same bucket, not that great. <laughs> I thought you might say that. All right, go ahead, Logan. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Quinn – what always bothered me with him is I felt like he always took high floor, high character type players over high potential and high talent. And um, so I, I thought he was doing an okay job. And then once he brought Patricia in, I don't know who was making those calls or how much say Patricia had in the type of st- style of players he wanted to bring in, but there was plenty of hit and, or misses with Quinn, but there's a lot of misses with every franchise, but I just don't think he ever really hit on true superstars. And outside of Kenny Galladay and who's a, a really good receiver, I don't think he's quite elite receiver and he's been struggling with injuries, but the Decker pick is looking great right now. The Ragnow picks looking, it's been looking great. TJ Hawkins really coming to his own. So he's, I think he's done a nice job uh, really in the first round outside of Jared Davis, but then, you start getting to that second round and that's where he's really struggled and you just need, you know, core pieces. And there's been a lot of players that I think are like NFL ready when they come in out of the draft and they never really get better. And then his free agent signings, I, I feel like he overpays and maybe that's because they're in Detroit, but I, I think they just target these players that are more of, you know, like role players or depth players, but then they pay them the money to be, you know, and on that elite level and they're just not there. So I don't think they're getting the most bang for the buck. I don't think Patricia did, did him any help with that defensive scheme. And I don't think Quinn was anywhere near bad as Millen, but it, it definitely wasn't great. And I think his biggest downfall is just hiring his buddy and Matt Patricia to come in and um, move away, which I do think it was the time to move away from Caldwell, but he brought in a, a rookie head coach and it just failed and blew up in his face. So I, Bob Quinn, I, you know, he wasn't as bad as Millen, but he wasn't great either. Let, let me jump on this because Griffin knows I got to give a two cents on Bob Quinn. So I, I'm with Logan's point on the second and third rounders were the killers. I mean, those were the big swings and misses on guys that he thought were scheme fits or he thought were going to be players that I – tried to hang in there you know Grifka knows I'm the guy on the show that will try to support the team regardless will try to hope that things work out but eventually I get to the point too where it's like you know I haven't seen any progression from Tracy Walker Will Harris has let me down a ton I mean I after a little bit of blindly hoping I came out weeks and weeks ago and said Javelani Tavai cannot play the game of football in the NFL level I mean I mean, he may be an XFL, you know, mid-level player, but he he can't play. So I I think that Bob Quinn, the the guys Logan named that are good, I mean, I would hope you'd have four or five names that are good after five years as the general manager. I mean, that's a guy a year maybe in the draft with a couple late fines here and there. I mean, that's just not good enough. That that isn't just not – he ain't that great. I mean, that's – that's uh that's poor in my opinion when you really look at his tenure as much as I tried to support it I think the good things he did was with the salary cap you know um, in his early part he never really left us totally hanging where we're paying guys that you know uh, 
you know, like the the contracts that we either hit on or missed on under the other regimes that that cost us down the road. We're paying guys that aren't here. We're just kind of in in cap trouble. I, I think he was decent in those areas, but we might have a come some that bite us now now that he's gone. So. You know, the hiring of Matt Patricia wasn't good. I don't want to repeat Logan's whole thing like, like Grifka often does. But, you know, Bob Quinn, I, I hate to say it, you look back and he just, he didn't lay much of a foundation other than a few players here or there, which you're always going to find good players unless you're just an absolute travesty as a general manager. But he never found enough good people and, and didn't build a good enough team around and then missed on the, the coach and the scheme as well. So... I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's tough. Hopefully we get it right this time. I, I think I say that every time, but to me it's like, man, get get the right GM and coach, and let's start winning some ball games. Logan, let me throw this one at you. Um, as far as the biggest thing that's frustrated me the last two to three years of this team is no turnovers. I mean, I, I know I probably bring back to some of the similar things when you're on the show or when me and Griff could talk, but. I continually watch this team play week in, week out. No sacks, no pressures, no tip balls, no turnovers, no fumbles created. I mean, I don't think you can win like that. What's your opinion on just not only why they're not getting these, but how how are you going to get it fixed? You know, how are you going to get us a football team that we can actually turn the football over, be more aggressive when we're tackling, be better at tackling, um, finally get that pass rush that we just ignored the past three years. I mean, don't you see that as a huge problem on this team like I do? Oh, yeah. And I think a lot of it comes down to pass rush. Just that the Lions don't have a pass rush. You're not forcing the quarterbacks to throw into tight windows, and you're not forcing them, you know, not making them make mistakes. And then when you don't have linebackers who are, you know, speedsters or ball hawk type of guys, they're more, you know, slow and – they're never even close to a running back or tight end. I feel like when they're in coverage, <laughs> you know, maybe Jay, I will give Jamie Collins a little bit of credit. I think he's a decent uh, linebacker just in coverage, but uh, it's just, it's starts from the line and goes, goes back. And I think the corners, the safety is just secondary as a whole. They're put in a horrible spot and uh, they're not getting too many freebies when it comes to passes or quarterbacks that are getting hit and the ball getting up in the air or anything like that. It's just, it, it's very frustrating to watch this defense. And it, I think everyone's, every fan has been claiming now for what, like three years, just saying that where's our pass rusher, like who's going to get to the quarterback. And it, it just never happens. And I think that's always the root of most of your turnovers is, you know, quarterback hits where they're fumbling the ball or getting pressure where the quarterback is, you know, throwing to places he shouldn't, but he has to get rid of the ball and, you know, guys are able to pick it off. So it's defensive line to me. I think the turnovers will start happening a lot more if the Lions could get some pressure. They, they got to dial up some, some DN, some D tackles, as well as, you know, it's as simple as that. When you look back at NFL games, when Stafford turns it over, we lose. When we get a couple turnovers, we often win. But when you're just going through these ball games and not, you know, having the team not only turn it over, we can't get off the field most of the times now against teams. You're getting a few times we remember when it's three and out or when we're getting off the field, and that just can't happen. You just can't win like that long term. So hopefully they get that right. So, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. you got to get turnovers. Uh, good stuff, Logan. Grifka, back to you. Uh, fire off another question. This one's pretty basic, simple. Have the Lions found anything with uh, Matt Nelson playing tackle? No. You know what? <laughs> I think it's something. It's only, it's what, second year playing? 
offensive tackle and he hasn't been great, but for a second year offensive tackle, uh, converted defensive tackle, I, I think there's a promise there if he can keep developing, but that's just the, the big thing is, can he keep developing? I don't know if he'll ever be starter worthy, but he might be a quality backup or someone you can at least keep around, but I'm, I'm not really getting my hopes up that he's going to be anything more than a backup. Logan, I got I got to yeah. piggyback. What? Where's Joe Dahl? And and also, where where's this guy named Stenberg that we took in the middle of the fourth round? Like, I, Joe Dahl went from starting and being this re-signed, you know, oh, good job, Joe Dahl, rock solid guard, to can't even find the field anymore. Like, what what's going on? And Logan Stenberg, I mean, he's only been active for what two games all year. What is going on there? Yeah, I, I don't understand the Joe Dahl situation because I thought he was you know, head and shoulders better than Abushi, and Abushi didn't have a great game uh, against the Packers, and he's been a little better than he was last year, I'd say, maybe. But I don't understand the whole Joe Dahl situation because I thought he would be a starter going into the season, and now he's playing behind Ode Abushi, who I don't even think was on the when final cuts. I don't even think he made the team. I think they brought him back after – um, they put someone on like the injured reserve or something like that. Um, so it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Logan Stenberg, when they drafted him, I, I figured he was a project just coming from that Kentucky offense, whereas just so run heavy. And he, I think he had a lot to learn. He's not the most nimble of big men either. And when that, when they took that pick, that was one of those picks where I was like, I don't really like that selection. <laughs> And so it's not all that surprising to me that he's still learning and hopefully he, he you know, is, is developing somewhat behind the scenes because we obviously don't know what he's doing, but I, he struggled in training camp as well. They were trying to move him around. He wasn't a good center, uh, had snap issues. Uh, I, I don't know that pick. You, you can never call a pick a bust at that point, but my expectations were so low for that just because I didn't, I, he was just a huge project. Before I throw it back to Grifka for a question, Logan, do you want to hear my thoughts just in sound bites only on, on the, our topic just now? <laughs> Go for it. This is my thoughts on Abushi almost every play this past game. What the hell are you doing? <laughs> a Grifka classic. <laughs> and then, like, the fact that Joe Dahl just doesn't play anymore. I mean, it's, for some reason, even though Joe Dahl's not incredible, it does this. It's like, duh. Oh, wait, no. I mean, it does this. That drives me freaking bonkers. <laughs> you, you know what I think about our whole right side of the line, Logan? You know what I think? This one you're supposed to say. What do you think? <laughs> oh, what do you think? I was waiting for the sound bite. What do you think? <laughs> that 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 goes to you, uh, Vitae, Crosby, Abushi, Kenny Wiggins, uh, Joe Dahl, Stenberg. <laughs> Who else we got over on the right side that's an absolute turnstile? Oh, my goodness gracious. Grifka, go, go ahead. Do another question before I get more fired up, please. <laughs> okay. Um, well, I'm going to break the ice on this. I'm, I'm dying to know what he's thinking about. Was it? Sheila Ford Hamps, you know, internal memo saying that they were going to do the uh, within the next six weeks or they were going to do an exhaustive search to find a coach and GM with with experience that they weren't going to go on a limb. But uh, what do you think about that? Or do you think they just need to find like just a good guy to run the team and coach the team? Uh, I have no idea. You always prefer someone with experience and 
they, you know, they know the ropes, but at the same time, if there's a GM out there, typically they're on the open market for a reason. And um, so, yeah, I, I would like some experience and I know there's some guys out there that have experience, but I, the, the whole general manager hiring to me, it, it's such a crapshoot because from, from our perspective, it's how do you really grade general managers? So you, you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Like, just because they're on a good team doesn't mean that they're a really bright mind and they made a bunch of decisions or were key parts and, you know, they're the biggest hits on their roster, whether it be through the draft or free agency. So I I don't really know. It, it's up for them, the Fords, to actually do their homework. And, you know, I think they're, they're trying to go about it the right way now with the people they're bringing in just to uh, go through the hiring process. But, um I, I don't know. And same with the head coach. It's like, I would, I would prefer a head coach with the experience because you never know what you're going to get with a coordinator. You have great coordinators and they're not always great head coaches. And sometimes they're just in great positions where they are in a great surrounding and they look a lot better than they really are. But there's, there's a lot more to a head coach than just being a good offensive or defensive mind, as we saw with Patricia. And I guess you could argue too how good of a defensive mind Patricia ever even was because the defense in New England got a lot better once he left. But uh, it's just uh, going down that road. I, I really, I really don't know. Um, I have Ed Dodds. I do like as a general manager, just because he's been with the Colts recently. We've had a lot of success in the draft and, you know, they really have done well. And then he was in Seattle before that during their Super Bowl run. So again, as an assistant general manager though, how much, say does he really have in the decision-making and building the roster. So you, you just never really know. Yeah, that's, um, I'm with you on that, especially the uh, coach aspect where it says you might be just in a good situation and look better than what you actually are, Matt Patricia. So uh, that's kind of how I feel on that. So, well, what do you have, Derek? Hey, Logan, I, I'm going to challenge you here. Uh, you always give these incredible, you know, multi-layered answers, kind of different than my normal co-host here on the show. Uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I, I got to challenge you to kind of go rapid fire here because I have like two to three questions that are, you know, you could get into a bunch of detail, but I want the Logan short, quick, down and dirty version on a couple of these. Can you do that for me? Oh, we'll see what I can do. <laughs> Logan, in 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 two sentences or less, how can you fix our linebackers? <laughs> well, that one's easy. Uh, through the draft and through free agency. <laughs> and by getting rid of everybody that we currently have, is, is that is that a good plan probably? Uh, pretty much, yeah. You can keep Collins around because you can't really cut him. No. next year anyways and i think i think he's a fine linebacker as long as he's not trying to play on the edge which i don't think i was glad the lions didn't play him on the edge that much this year because i think he does his best work as an off-ball linebacker but outside of that it's pretty much all replaceable guys you like jamie collins man he's gotta go i don't like his game barely at all anyway rapid fire i said wide receiver plan 2021 um basically everybody's up uh quick quick plan of how to get that together uh that's i don't think that will be as easy i mean i guess it could just be as easy as the linebacker spot but uh, to me i i think you can find serviceable wide receivers and if you have a good quarterback they can do all right with just okay wide receivers and definitely helps having great wide receivers but um i think 
go through the free agency route, get a mid-tier guy, and then depending where the receivers fall in the draft, you're going to have to take one there too. And Kenny Galladay, I don't know where his price point's at or how much he's asking for, but I'm not willing to overpay for Kenny Galladay just because I don't think the receiver position is valued enough, and there's way too many receivers that come into the draft every year that can make an immediate impact. Let me ask you this. Can you just let Kenny Marv walk? You got Cephas coming up and then add a pick and a free agent and be okay? Is that realistic in 2021? I'd be fine with that. Um, I'd be more inclined to probably franchise tag Kenny Galladay and then try to try to trade him if he's looking for something that's too much. But um, I, I'm fine with getting a mid-tier yeah, free agent and then, you know, make it a priority to get a – the Lions don't have any draft picks, but make a priority to get a young a younger receiver. Yeah. Second or third round, you could still get a guy that could probably come in here and make an impact, especially if they have speed. All right, another, sure. another one um, – what's what's like your top two reasons on why our coverage is just Swiss cheese every week? I mean, I watch these guys and guys running wide open guys. Just even when they catch the ball, I had to watch AO. he's our guy on the show. I had to watch him run beside Devonte Adams for about 50 yards, just in a random part of the field. I don't know what he's doing. Like, why is this coverage so horrible when they, they poured in a ton to coverage? I said that's how they were going to do it. Why is it so bad week after week after week? Well, I think with under Patricia, it was just all about the pass rush, having no pass rush, and then asking guys to play man-to-man that you know are, are good man coverage corners, but they just can't continue to cover for four seconds at a time. And I think last week, uh, ROIRA, yeah, he gave up some big plays, but I, I felt like the coverage wasn't horrible. I just felt like it was Aaron Rodgers and Vontae Adams, you know, making, making better plays, perfect passes. And Devonte Adams is coming down with, with good catches and same with Valdez Scantling, that back shoulder throw. That's, I thought Okuda had fine coverage, but if it's executed perfectly on the offense side of the ball, it's tough to stop. And then um, injuries were a big factor too. You don't you don't have Akuda out there. You don't have Trufant out there. And even though they haven't been really good all season, I'd be interested to see how they would do kind of under this new ish style of scheme. But yeah. yeah, it's it's weird. It's it's not fun to watch every week when they can't cover Griffka. I know I'm throwing multiple ones at him, but Logan, yes, no, longer or shorter. Is this a two to three year rebuild? Yes, no, or is it going to be a lot longer or shorter? I think it's a three-year rebuild to get all this, all the players that they currently have on the team that have these big contracts to get out of those. You can get out of, you know, kind of like Jesse James, Justin Coleman's contracts next season, but then you're still going to have to hang on to buy Ty who actually isn't getting paid all that much is his year three season is when he really starts getting the big money and the lions can get rid of him. So it'd be after next year. But I, I think there's a lot of players that the lions are going to have to get rid of. And I, I don't think it's a bad necessarily a bad thing to kind of reset that rebuild to see if you can get any trade value out of the guys this offseason or just outright cut them, take the dead cap hit this year, get all the that dead money off the books in 2022 and just kind of go from there. But that defense needs a lot of work. The offense isn't too far away, but depending on what to do with Stafford, it, it could uh, <laughs> if, if Stafford goes, they're definitely going to have some work to do. Yeah, Griff, I'm coming back to you, but I think Logan said that uh, we could get rid of Jesse James, so I just want to say this. Oh, 
Woo! We also have another soundbite for the whole signing, and Jesse James is just a complete trash can piece of garbage on this team. It's a bad decision, period, point blank. It was a, a, one of the dumbest decisions I ever made. <laughs> That's whoever signed that, just a waste of space. All right, Grifka, what do you got? Get, give Logan one more big one, and then I want to talk some Spielman with him. Okay. Um, this is just a quick hitter, much like Derek had, but... Is Chelani Tavai the worst linebacker you've ever seen in a Lions uniform? <laughs> yeah, he, he probably is. Um, I'm trying to think of anyone else. It's just when you're – even in college, I felt like he was missing a lot of tackles in college. He racked up stats, but he was a good scheme fit just because he could play on the edge and off ball. But just when with him in the open space, it's, it's really difficult to watch. And um, – yeah, as I'm talking and just giving myself more time to think about other linebackers, I can't think of any other starting linebacker that has been worse. He's just so slow. I mean, glaciers <laughs> are faster than him, for Pete's sake. I mean, every play, he's just like five steps behind anybody. It's just, gosh, it's like, move faster, please. He sucks. <laughs> He stands out. Yeah, he does stand out with how slow he is. Okay, Derek, I want you to break break it. I've been holding off on my question, so you bring it up. Go ahead. All right, so, Logan, we teased it out. We made people wait till the end of the show, all our great listeners here, um, right before we got recording here, a little bit early in the week. Uh, Chris Buehlman has been brought on full-time with the Detroit Lions, uh, not as the general manager, you know, as an assistant to the, you know, president, CEO, something. I mean, I kept hearing Rod Woods named mentioned, but everybody seems to be on board with bringing this guy in. Why? Because it's a football guy being brought on to a football team that needs to know about football to win on the football field. I mean, what are your thoughts about this? We obviously haven't seen him in, you know, make any uh, recommendations yet. And everybody loved him on the field. But what are you thinking about Spielman being brought on in a football capacity for the Detroit Lions? I, I just like his title, the special assistant, the chairman, president, and CEO. So it's like. It sounds it, a lot like to... Costanzo when he was the special assistant to the traveling secretary. But the problem is the traveling secretary, <laughs> a.k.a. Bean Counter, is Rod Wood, who everybody is just sick of in this town. He might be great with the uh, Ford family estate, but we don't know what he's doing. But I think this was actually a good move, and I, I kind of took a shot at uh, Sheila Ford for that ridiculous, oddly f- phrased memo, but... I think this is a an actual good move, you know, on a lot of levels. So I'm actually pretty excited about it. Yeah, I I like the move too because he's he's not making decisions. He he doesn't have general manager experience, but he's a guy who's passionate about Detroit Lions football, and I think the Lions really need that. They need someone who wants to be you know extra invested and just has you know kind of a special place in their heart for the Lions. And I think he's going to do the absolute best he can and not saying people that don't love the lions or don't have special connections with the lions uh, wouldn't do that but um you know i i think a lot about the culture i think chris spielman if if you listen to him on his broadcast he talks a lot about like intangible type of stuff and culture and if if he can help you know kind of build that up and build a winning culture then i'm all for it but uh it 
it seems just like a role where he'll have a voice, but you know, who knows how many big decisions he's actually going to make. But I, I just like it due to the fact that he's someone who wants to see success in Detroit. And uh, you, you can tell he's always been that way. So it, it seems like a natural fit. Grifka, I know this is your boy. You loved him. You did on this show multiple times call Jelani Tavai a poor man's Chris Spielman. We we won't ha- hold that against you or the fact that you said Baker Mayfield sucks or the fact that you said DK Metcalf was no good and he was only could run go routes. We won't hold any of those against you, but... Chris Spielman's your boy. I know you love this because he's a lion and now he's going to be in the front office. So go ahead and tell the people just how much you love this move. Yeah. Yeah. I love it because he's there and he, anytime you listen to him or just podcast or, you know, anything like that, he's, he's one of those guys who just, you know, you know, he, he loves the team. I mean, it's like, listen to you, Benny blades, you know, same thing. I just, I don't know, like, was it, I believe the tweet came out earlier. I, I, you retweeted it, Derek, saying that, you know, he, he's not qualified enough to be a GM. So I, you're right. What is this position? I mean, is he just going to be the guy at training camp shaking hands, drawing up, you know, more fan support? You're going to do like a sign, autograph signing at, you know, the Somerset Mall or they're like in the draft room and they're like, Chris, what do you think about this guy? You know, Chris has obviously watched a lot of tape. He can break down stuff as, what is this? Is this this kind of figurehead thing to keep fans around? Or is this more of the thing where he might have a little bit of input? You know, the, you know those teams that bring back their old players just to sit in the front office and take up space to go on glad hand and do local TV interviews, you know, to keep fans happy. I don't know. I mean, I, 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 you're right. I don't want to make critical decisions for the team. But if he's one of those guys that goes in and, you know, yeah, he can break down some tape and, you know, give some opinion, kind of like a scout. Cool. I'm glad about, you know, I'm all for that. But I, I, I kind of want this to be more than just your typical figurehead. Go out, shake hands at training camp with fans, take photos, sign helmets. And then, you know, you're off, you know, getting paid X amount of dollars. I'd rather, if, if that's all the case, I'd rather have him back in the broadcast booth and listen to him break down a game as I'm watching it. No. Grifka... No. First of all, does does Chris Spielman sound like a glad hander show up to training camp and take photos with you type of guy? No. Chris if Spielman's you're getting paid to do neck- that, if that's what they if that's what they want you to do, Grifka, you'll do no, it. No. <laughs> no, that's not what he's about. He's a neck roll football, get down in the trenches, get there and like talk ball with these with these potential GMs and head coaches. Lions fans need to get fired up about this because it's not just a random former player either this guy's been in all types of coaching he grew up as a son of a coach he is brother has been a gm for years so he's got that to draw on like i think there's there's so many good levels to this and i think the fact that he's not the general manager but he's in the room on a full-time basis to steer this thing in the right direction and get fired up if, if they're playing horrible and there's there's just very bad play or things are going wrong in the organization you don't think Chris Spielman's going to grab somebody by their white collar or their blue tie yeah I'm talking to you Rod Wood and tell you what's up like I think he's going to be a force in that organization both from a intelligence standpoint a football standpoint and just a Hey, don't piss me off because I'll tell you about it. I'm not just going to play the whole corporate forward politics game. 
he's trying to win on the football field. He's not going to take this consistent losing year after year, uh, time after time, where people are just not playing well. And his whole presser, Grifka, if you do a little homework, he had a 30-minute presser, and he kept talking about unity. He kept talking about you know everybody working together, everybody being on the same page. So it's pretty clear to me that you know, at the end of the day of the Bob Quinn, Matt Patricia regime, there was a lot of finger pointing, a lot of, oh, it's his fault, it's his fault. Oh, I, I you know, we've won here, but we couldn't win here for this reason. All that's going to be out the window. He's going to have to figure out how to win for the Detroit Lions. And I think it's a great person to do so. So, Logan, did I set Grifka straight? I know we got to get you up out of here. <laughs> I think you did a good job. Yeah, it's uh, Spielman. Again, we don't really even know what this role is, but it's nice to have a voice who knows football just in the lion's decision-making that can, you know, maybe speak up and kind of set people straight. And again, you know that he absolutely 100% wants to turn this franchise around. So when, when push I, comes to show, do you thoughts. want, do you want Rod Wood or do you want Spielman in there mixing it up and having <laughs> to make the decision? Exactly. 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 So Logan, I mean, it's been a tough season again. We appreciate you coming on. Uh, I'm not sure we might get you again towards the end of the year. Like, hopefully, we'll do some draft shows and off season. We're trying to figure out where we're gonna where we're gonna take the podcast, what we're gonna do. But again, we just really appreciate your time. Great answers to all our questions. We love firing things at you. And uh, like I said, I told everybody where they can find you. I know you're you're always active on the old Twitter machine there, uh, putting out posts and doing things so so people can find you there. But, hey, man, it's been another tough season for the Lions. The W's aren't there. Our quarterback's hurt. We're, we're trying to figure out how to get this team right. But kind of exciting at the same time with a new GM, new head coach, Spielman in the building, trying to kind of restore the Lions here to a, a – winning that we haven't seen so hopefully as frustrating as it's been that you're a little bit fired up too for this uh, new face that's going to go on the team and i think i speak for me and grifka and the detroit kool-aid drinkers and the fans and the skeptics are just saying like we hope and we're going to hang in there with our team and and hope that this is right that they get it right and if they do the w's will come and the the fan base will be crazy and that's that's pretty much what we gotta get excited about we got we gotta uh we gotta drink that in when you say Drink it in, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is there's a lot of moves that are going to be made here coming up, and it is exciting just because you know there's something different. I think going into this past season, there was a slight bit of hope that things would change, and we saw very quickly that things weren't changing under Patricia and Quinn. So now we have a fresh start, and it might take a little bit, but again, it's always nice when you have new blood in there, bringing in new players, and it, can't get much worse. You you wouldn't think at least maybe next year <laughs> it could be depending what route the GM takes, but it is, it's exciting times in, in Lions world, even if it's not resulting in wins necessarily. Exactly. So everybody read Logan's articles, find him on Twitter, check out all the radio stuff he's doing. Um, just he, he's everywhere. He's talking lions. We appreciate having him on the show. I mean, there's only one thing left to do here on this episode. Hey, Grifka. You got anything else for the people? Uh, nope. Drink it in, man. Cornbread! <laughs> Everybody, drink that Detroit Kool-Aid. Thank you so much for listening. Take care. We'll catch you on Friday right here on the Detroit Kool-Aid cast. Take care, everybody. We're out. Pack the bag. Stop the plane. This game is over. Drink it in, man.